Hello and welcome, friends and enemies. I hope you all had a great Christmas and happy holidays. I apologize for missing a week, but I had COVID and a friend passed away, not to mention Christmas. So it's been an eventful three weeks. I'm excited to be working on two big shows that I know you'll love, but it's going to take another week before I can finish writing, recording, and editing. I hope you'll all be patient, and I decided to bring you a swap cast from my other show, Cryptique. Enjoy the new intro music. The entire song will be available at the end of this podcast. B.E.K. Black-Eyed Kids Eyes are the window to the soul. So what does it mean when they just have black dead eyes? What's that say about their soul? Black and dead soul, maybe? Alright, so I wanted to start off with a description. Uh, just so you guys can get a picture in your mind of what we're talking about. Uh, you've probably heard... Some of the stories and are probably a little bit familiar with it. There's a lot of uh, stories on YouTube out there, but they, I think we're going to cover them more in depth than what a lot of people cover and, and more factually uh, as to what we were able to dig up. Uh, so the descriptions I have, normally... They're teen or preteen kids, alone or in pairs. Most of the time they're alone, but uh, it's there's a few reports where where there's more than one, and usually when it's only one, it's a boy. They have all black eyes, so they have no color in their eyes. They have uh, no white in their eyes. It's just a completely black, almost like a hole pale grayish greenish flesh pasty or olive uh, usually it's more grayish from what I get and sometimes they've been reported as uh, being like slimy or scaly looking skin gaunt or sickly appearance often ill-fitting or old-fashioned clothes sometimes described as Amish or sometimes jeans and a hoodie so I guess that all depends on where you think they come from. If they're in jeans and a hoodie, they're probably trying to fit in a little bit better. But if they're dressed in Amish clothes, they're going to stick out one way or the other, don't you think? Yeah, Amish isn't something I've heard before. When I was looking at them, the kind of common factors seem to be between, you know, a young child, not, not a toddler, maybe six or seven, up to maybe mid-teens. Completely black eyes. They bring with them this feeling of unease or dread that washes over you. Uh, a lot of people don't notice the eyes immediately. Most of the stories, a common thing that I've seen in, I don't know, 30 or 40 of these that I've read is not noticing them. They seem to be aware of the effect that they have and they, I guess, stand in a way where maybe they have a shadow, you know, kind of think like the Assassin's Creed hoods. They know how to shield their eyes so you don't notice that right away. And their clothes are described as being kind of outdated or a little odd. Sometimes it's almost men in black style with uh, 
you know, a hoodie and jeans on a really hot night when you would expect kids to be wearing gym shorts or something like that. Or maybe they're just out of date. I hadn't heard the Amish thing, though. That's that's new to me. Yeah, and I haven't had any uh, encounters that I was able to find where they were actually in contact with Amish people. So it wouldn't make sense that they were trying to fit in with that community. But there's probably not a lot of Amish people on the internet. That is true. They're not on Reddit sharing their stuff or, or wherever else. So some of the stuff that I was also able to uncover is that they have, uh, in some cases, the ability to move in time lapse is what I would call it. If you're looking at uh, old security videos, they take a picture like maybe once a second or once every other second, and you kind of see the people travel in time lapse. And that's what a lot of the uh, stories I uncovered that people noticed is that they would move from one spot to another and they wouldn't actually see them move. And it wouldn't be like they moved from the front porch to down the street, but just, you know, on the front porch, you look away for a second and then they're down at the bottom of the steps. So they may be able to teleport short distances as well. And they always want something too. That's the other common factor is they have some requests. Uh, the original encounter with the journalist encountered them at his car trying to get in. They wanted something from them. And most of the stories that I've read, it's the same thing. They either want in your car or they want in your house. For some reason, being in the car freaks me out more. And this is something we talked about before we started recording, that black-eyed kids are the thing that freaks me out the most in the paranormal. The rest of it doesn't really bother me, but this one bothers me a lot. I don't know why it's so creepy, but it really gets to me for some reason. And the idea of being in a car surrounded by them, which I've seen in a few reports that, you know, maybe there's one at your driver's window and maybe two standing off in the distance somewhere just watching. That is extraordinarily unsettling. Well, and I think we all like to think of helping children if they need help. Um, I've never had any black eyed kids or other kids come to my door and ask to use my phone. I've never had them come to my car and ask if they can get in. And maybe just being children is what is kind of freaky about it because you naturally want to help them and you're naturally more trusting of kids. You don't think that they have ill intent towards you, but then you get the feeling with these guys that they have something nefarious planned for you. Yeah, that's true. The movie The Orphan freaked me out for a similar reason. You just you want to believe that kids are good. And that one I was like, all right, maybe. I, I, I almost wonder if that movie had an effect a measurable effect on adoptions for a period of, you know, a year or two after it came out. I don't know if you saw that movie. She's like a misunderstood young girl who wears these black bands around her neck and wrists. And this family adopts her and, and she is basically trying to get the mother out of the picture. She's faking injuries to herself. And then when the father is drinking, he's all upset because of things going on in his household. She kind of makes a move on him. When he rejects her, she kills him. The mother finds out that this girl is actually around 30. And she's an adult and she's just looks small. And it's based on a true story. It's based on like a real situation. I don't know if I don't think anybody actually got killed, but there was a family who there was just a lot of weird stuff with this kid that they adopted and they found out through like medical testing that she was actually a grown adult. And it was 
it's really wild, but yeah, freaked me out. Wow. I have uh, the description of their language as being formal, polite, strange, and awkward. And they seem to memorize lines and they just won't stop saying the same lines and they can't or won't engage in a normal conversation. So uh, they almost sound robotic in nature. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that they sound commanding and articulate in a way that is not suited to their ages. Programmed, repetitious. Uh, Some of them have been reported to have a strange or an unknown accent. Uh, Hypnotic and monotone is what I was able to uncover a lot of too. They don't fluctuate, they don't get excited, they don't get sad, they don't show any emotion. It's just the same repeated speech in a monotone level like you would get uh, if you were trying to go under hypnosis. They are also not reported to use hand gestures and they just kind of had their arms hanging at their sides, which all the kids I know, they're, you know, they're very excited and they use their hands to talk and it's, it's very animated. It's not like these kids who just sit and stare monotone and tell you the same thing over and over. They're also reported to have limited telepathic ability. So there's been reports that a person has said to himself, like, oh, I got to roll my window up and get out of here. And they'll say, you don't have to roll your window up and get out of here. And that some people report kind of a subliminal influence. So that's pretty scary. If I've never had that happen, but I would assume that if you feel yourself doing something that you're not wanting to do and you feel like you're under the influence of, of someone else to do it, that would be pretty freaky. Yeah, it's something that I found in my research, too. A lot of people report kind of feeling, I guess if you wanted to equate it to something, what I would use is the Sultan in Aladdin when he's being controlled by Jafar and he's just kind of following along with whatever Jafar is saying. And if something else happens, if there's some external stimulus, he can snap out of it. And it's the same here. There, there was one of the stories that I read. It was two of these kids that showed up on this family's doorstep at a, a strange hour, like 10 or 11 at night for, you know, kids who are 12 or 13. That's a, that's a little late to be out. And they're talking about wanting to use the phone. You know, they need to call their mother. She tries to say, well, I'll call her for you. Just let me know the number. You know, I prefer not to let you in. She said that when she told them that, when she said, I'll make the call for you, you just wait here. They turned, looked at each other, said nothing, turned back and said, actually, my sister has to use the bathroom. Let us in. You know, changed her story. And she started to open the door until her husband came into the room and was like, what's going on? And it kind of snapped her out of it. And she realized what she was doing. And she closed it again and said, you know, sorry, I can't help you. They said, well, we'll just ask some of the neighbors. And she said for you know, some period of time, whenever she would look out there, they were across the street, just standing there shoulder to shoulder, looking at her, looking at the house. Do they ever ask for cell phones? I, I never saw anything about cell phones, no. No, they always want to come in and use the landline. Yeah. I haven't seen a little kid without a cell phone in a long time. <laughs> so that's another, uh, it's another red flag, a kid who doesn't have an iPhone anyway. Right, right. Now, let's talk about infrasound a little bit. Uh, Some animals use infrasound to like stun their prey. Uh, We see dolphins that can stun a fish with their echolocation. Tigers use it. Alligators use it. Elephants. 
Now a lot of them use it to communicate over long distances, but it can also be used to kind of invoke fear and dread, and our militaries actually used it before as kind of a non-lethal use of force to kind of clear out areas where people are protesting or something like that. They'll have a big speaker that plays, I believe it's 8 hertz is the sound, and you, you can't hear it, but you can feel it in your body. And it, it just makes you so uneasy and causes anxiety, and that kind of drives you away. And I think in some of these reports that the kids may be using a type of infrasound, whether they know it or not, because they're probably not trying to freak the people out, but whatever they're doing is causing dread. That's kind of a common thread throughout all the stories. So what do you think? Infrasound? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I hadn't considered infrasound. When I think of infrasound, I think about that um, the embassy in Havana, I think it was, mm -hmm. where people started getting headaches and you know sickness and all these different things, and they they're thinking it's some kind of infrasound weapon that we've never seen before. But I had never thought about it being something used by some kind of paranormal entity. I I typically think of it as a debunking tool because I know in my own home I've had. You know, just these weird feelings. I think I'm probably particularly susceptible to it. Because I've found, you know, I've replaced a ceiling fan in one room where when I would go in there, I'd feel this pressure and I would kind of get a headache. And I wound up replacing the ceiling fan in the fixture and all that went away. You know, I think there was some kind of bearing making it vibrate in just the wrong way that it affected me. And I've read stories about that online as well, where in one case, I think it was a lab at a university that was believed to be haunted. People would see shadows moving. They would feel this presence. They'd feel watched. And they found out that a piece of their equipment had a bad bearing and it was emitting infrasound. And when they fixed it, all of these phenomena went away. That's very interesting. I, I've heard a story about that too. It may be the same story, but it was just one office in a building and people kept quitting that were in that office and said they were getting sick. And eventually they figured out that yeah, it was either the ceiling fan or an air conditioning unit or something there that was causing the infrasound and making people sick. I don't know. It seems counterintuitive that they would want to, you know, scare people, but maybe, I don't know, maybe that's one of their goals is just to terrify people. Well, and the question, I guess, has to be, are they real? Hey, Cryptique fans, be sure to check out my other anchor podcast, Exploring Evil. I tackle true crime cases of not-so-famous serial killers and some with a paranormal twist. If you like what you're hearing on Cryptique, I think you'll really enjoy Exploring Evil. Check it out on Anchor Podcast. Check out Ryan's other podcast, Movie Howl, where he and his buddy Joe explore movies past and present to give balanced reviews and help you find your next favorite movie. Now, back to Cryptique. In doing some research on this, I found some interviews and information from Sharon Hill. She's a geologist by trade, as far as I can tell. But she has a podcast, and she's been on Jim Harold's Paranormal Podcast before. And, you know, she, she's been involved in this kind of research for a while, including, like, cryptozoology. And a lot of her writings and interviews that I found, at least, talk about a need to not take everything completely seriously, that it's possible that this is fake. This could be like the black dog phenomena where it's possible that it's a real thing and we're just misidentifying it or the circumstances are just right to make us feel exceptionally creeped out or 
uneasy when we see these kids, you know. So her assertion is that this is probably, you know, along the lines of that sort of phenomena where it's misidentified. It's an urban legend. It's probably not real, but it's something that's making its way through the Internet because it's creepy. And and, and it's something that I, I think might be true because a lot of the stories that I found are really poorly written in a way that makes me think that maybe somebody's just trying to throw this together or a lot of them talk about, well, I heard about this or my friend did that. There are also no accounts that I could find of anybody actually letting them in and what happens then. And maybe it's something where if they're real and you let them in, you're not around to tell the story about what happened. But it could also be that it's not real. Maybe it is something that's just an urban legend, you know, kind of like Slender Man. By the Slender Man thing, I know there are a lot of people starting to believe that it's a real thing and a real phenomena, but I think it started on Reddit. And I think it was in Creepypasta, which is, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, I'm a little old to be doing this kind of stuff on Reddit, but I'm fairly certain that's where you go to post, you know, your sort of fanfic scary stories, stuff that sounds real, but it's not. Yeah, the Slender Man story, it was actually created as um, there was part of a contest to see who could come up with a creepy story. And a guy out of nowhere just came up with Slender Man. He found a few old timey photos and uh, photoshopped a really tall guy in, you know, stretched him out, I guess, and put some tendrils on him and came up with the story and he won and it just kind of exploded. And I think it's kind of the same story as the rake. If you've heard of the rake, I haven't. It's a uh, creature, kind of a humanoid creature that's really, really skinny, like the Slender Man. Only it's it's supposed to be gray or green. It doesn't wear clothes. Um, it's got a really freaky head with sharp teeth on it. And there were stories going around a lot about you know I saw this. I got it on a, a trail cam. I got a picture of it. You get a lot of pictures on trail cams that, you know, those are probably the easiest to Photoshop because there's not much quality to them to begin with. But it was taken from a movie. I I don't know the name of the movie, but it had like a ghoul or something on the side of the road. And someone posted that as a real picture and it just blew up. So it could definitely be that. And we'll we'll definitely cover that. But I also want to cover some options of what they could be if they're actually real. Following up on the kind of the eerie feeling, I read a report where a woman who had gone under hypnosis several times to try and help her with the trauma that she had as a child, she had an encounter with the black-eyed kids and said the feeling she had during her encounter was exactly the same as when she was being put under hypnosis. That's interesting. I hadn't heard that. I don't know. Do we hope they're real? No. Of course not. I really hope it's misidentification. Well, no, I don't even hope that because I hope that there aren't, there's not an epidemic of kids stranded in the middle of the night having people slam the door in their face. But I also, yeah, I don't want it to be real for lots and lots of reasons. My suspicion is that that there probably are real, genuine encounters, but... I think most of it, I mean, it's a story that is probably easy to fake. 
there's not a lot of of expectation that you're going to have proof of an encounter like this. And it's a creepy story to tell, you know, well, I've had them show up in my house too, or my friend has had them show up. You know, I think that uh, the first journalist who saw them, I don't know what incentive he would have had to lie. And a lot of people don't have an incentive to lie about this stuff, except to have fun, you know, just to yank somebody's chain, so to speak. Uh, You're talking about Brian Bethel, and he is a respected journalist. He's won a lot of awards. I was able to watch a few different interviews that he had about it, and he seems very believable, and he gets upset when the person that was interviewing him suggested that maybe he made it up to gain some sort of fame, and he was quick to say that his awards are what you know, won him his fame, not this story, and he wished it had never happened to him. But, you know, he said, I have no reason to lie about it either. So he seemed very believable, and we'll cover his story a little bit later. But let's assume for a minute that they are real. What are they? Demons? Could they be demons? I'm not sure. Well, I guess you have to believe in demons to begin with for you to... uh, explore that possibility yeah i mean i'm not sure how to tell exactly what they are you know i've seen multiple times the same three origins for them proposed vampires aliens or demons Mm -hmm. what do we see about them that leads us in one direction or another i would say if anything the alien theory makes the most sense just based on you know first-hand accounts of experiences with aliens grays in particular with the eyes like that i think that's something that you mentioned before we recorded was that that's a similarity these deep black eyes that kind of pull you in a lot of abduction encounters talk about a similar experience that they look into their eyes and they feel this kind of hypnosis and they feel like they're being controlled or that they are weak or unable to move it's different in that aliens tend to have a calming effect on people They make people feel okay with situations that they shouldn't. And I guess there's a little bit here in the encounters when somebody starts to let the kid in or they consider, even after noticing the eyes, they consider helping them anyway. And then something snaps them out of it. Let's talk about aliens or hybrids for a second. So they have the big black eyes and the grayish skin that we talked about, which are similar to the accounts that we've heard of gray aliens. Mindspeak. Have have you heard of mind speak in, in aliens where they really only communicate telepathically and they don't use their mouth at all? I have, yeah. Okay, so they are reported to have a bit of a telepathic ability. You know, you had mentioned hybrids, I think. Maybe they, you know, are born of human and alien DNA and they don't have the abilities of the, you know, full-fledged gray aliens to you know, communicate telepathically, but they have a little bit, like maybe they can hear what you're thinking or something along those lines. And maybe they lack the control to ease you. They can influence you, but they they make you nervous. Yeah, that actually makes sense. If they have a weaker ability, they might be able to influence you in some ways, but not maybe influence your feeling or or this sort of, I don't know, this uh, radar we all seem to have of this isn't right. Something's wrong here. So maybe a DNA split, human and gray alien, uh, the result of alien abductions and forced pregnancy. We've heard stories about that with the removal of the baby before birth. 
heard a lot of stories about that with abductees that they, you know, are abducted and they believe they're impregnated. And then before they're actually able to give birth to the baby, they're abducted again. And when they're done, there's no, no pregnancy. Yeah. I've heard a number of stories like that as well, including people who claim to have gone to their doctor about medical issues. And the doctor has even said like, well, how many abortions have you had? Cause it's, it's not good in there. So maybe they're trying to get the mix of DNA right and testing it out on their creations. You know, maybe it's the 50-50 split isn't a, a good split. And maybe they want it to be 75% alien, 25% human or, you know, something along those lines. And they're kind of testing it with these kids to see how they can fit into society saying, go out and, you know, see if you can communicate with people, test out your ability and see if you can fit in or if we still need to tinker with your DNA a little bit. But if that was the case, I would think we would have seen more development since most of the cases have been the same since 98 or or whenever that original encounter was. I know that now there are encounters being reported that go back a lot further than that, but I believe that was the initial one, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I was able to find one from 1950, but you know, like you were saying, some of these are not, you have to kind of take them with a grain of salt. And the thing that links everything is the black eyes. And there's other causes that we'll talk about that could cause your eyes to be black, or you might misremember things and your fear might put that into your memory that, oh, they had all black eyes. And that encounter was 1996. I was wrong. So still 1996. I, I doubt that, that it's a kind of field testing these things, at least in terms of blending in. If they were blending in, there's a lot better that you can do than coming up to somebody's door in the middle of the night and asking or demanding to be let in. And I think that would have developed over the past 20, however many years, 24 years, 26 years. That's a good point. If they're that advanced with their technology that they can do this, you would think that they would be able to create something that fits in a lot better, a lot more quickly than any human lab could do. So that's a good point. Are they attempting to download their consciousness, the aliens that is, into genetically farmed human bodies? Just like we're trying currently to find a way to kind of download our personalities into machines, maybe it's aliens that are trying to download their personalities into human form. It wouldn't explain why they're, why they're going around trying to freak people out, but it is something that I thought about. That's not something I thought about. I, it's an interesting idea. I'm not sure what trying to get into somebody's house at night would do, though. I mean, abductions are a different thing. If they needed people... There are apparently other ways to do it without having to send these beings in. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that makes me think that Sharon Hill is probably right about the majority of them being friend of a friend stories. But be, I mean, simply because there's no motivation. And I know that we don't always look for motivation in paranormal stories, but when they're always trying to do the same thing, I think that the ambiguity of what they would do if you actually let them in is part of what makes it so scary and probably what you know makes it so freaky to me. You know, what what would they do? 
you know, the suspense is a big part of it. You know, if you ever play like the Resident Evil games, I've been thinking about that lately, that sometimes wandering around in the game and not having anything pop out at you is just as tense as when there is something there. Is there anything else you wanted to cover with the alien angle? I mean, um, I think that there's a lot of possibilities and, you know, obviously we're not going to come up with the be all end all answer at the end of this podcast, but we want to equip you guys with enough information to where maybe you can come up with your own theory on what they are. And I've got some crazy theories to get into in just a, just a few minutes here, but I think I can say that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably believe that there's alien life out there. I don't want to speak for you guys, but if you can believe that, then you have to consider the possibility that they may have something to do with the black-eyed kids. And since we don't know their motivations, we don't know their abilities, we don't know their technology, we don't know what they're capable of. Let's get a quick word from our sponsor. We talked about demons for a minute. Uh, let's get back into that. One thing that made sense to me about would they be demons is they just want to scare you. Maybe they just want to freak you out. That's something that I think a, a demon might do. Just want to scare you. No good reason for it. They're not really trying to accomplish anything, but just to freak you out. Most people have described them as being unnerving or downright scary. And, you know, I, I guess if you believe in demons, you believe they can take any form. Uh, they said that, you know, Lucifer was supposed to be the most beautiful angel. So just because the fact that they look scary doesn't necessarily mean that they're all evil or trying to scare you. It seems like in the stories, that's been their goal is just to freak people out. Yeah, that could be actually. There are other phenomena that I've read about in the past or listened to podcasts about in the past where that is the goal. You know, this is some kind of otherworldly spiritual entity that feeds off that somehow, that energy, the fear, you know, and that's their goal is to keep you afraid. I've just recently listened to an episode of Mysterious Universe where they were talking about essentially the idea that it could be spiritual entities that cause certain mental illnesses because the fear and anxiety of the people who suffer from it could be some somehow feeding that entity. And I had never considered it that that could be what this is here, that they are somehow feeding off of that unease or, or draining something from you. And I, I think one or two of the stories that I read said something about feeling drained after having talked to them, particularly the woman who said she started to open the door until her husband came and kind of snapped her out of it. Yeah. And we'll talk about hungry ghosts in a little bit. And that definitely fits the bill for the hungry ghosts. What about multidimensional? 
humans from an alternate realm. Do you believe there's alternate realms or a multiverse? I am open to a lot of possibilities of existence, but I don't see how that would play into this. Yeah, it was just something I wanted to throw out there. I'm not saying that there's not an alternate realm or an alternate universe that takes place here at the same time as you know what we're experiencing. It I just can't comprehend it. It's too much for me to wrap my mind around to see how those things could be happening. But there's some scientists that have said that there's multiple timelines playing out for the same person at the same time based on decisions that they made. Again, that's a little bit too much for me, but these are legit scientists that have, you know, put that hypothesis out there. Right. And that that idea is essentially that for every decision you make, the opposite happens somewhere else. There's another version of reality, you know, where where you didn't do that thing or you did do that thing. An example, and I'm not sure where I heard this. It might have been one of the examples that whoever proposed this idea used, but it was imagine if you're playing Russian roulette and you fire or you pull the trigger, but nothing happens. In another universe, you died. I feel like I watched something, some movie or some TV show where they use something like that, and they were purposely doing things to create more of these spun-off universes that every time you do it, it spawns another dimension or another you know, part of the multiverse that is responding to the choice you made. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a little bit too much for me to try and take in, but you know, I'm not here to rule anything out. We talked about vampires, grayish skin, black eyes, only really seen at dusk or overnight when it's dark. Mind control or infrasound, which has been associated with vampires. Most notably, they can't come inside unless they're invited. That's a good point. I hadn't made that connection, but yeah, they need to be invited. They can try to persuade you, but that's also what vampires can do in a lot of you know myths. There are a lot of different types of vampire stories. There's, you know, just like with zombies, you have 28 Days Later zombies and Romero zombies. There are a lot of different kinds of vampires. But I guess that would make more sense why they would be trying to come in. And a lot of vampire lore focuses around the fact that you might be the victim of a vampire without knowing it. Because they have this telepathic ability to ease your mind, make you do what they want you to do, and then to forget about it. Absolutely. What What about psychic vampires? You know, you mentioned that maybe they're feeding off the fear. I've heard stories of people that claim they're psychic vampires, that they can kind of feed off your emotions and, and drain you that way. And fear is a really, really strong emotion. So maybe they're trying to scare you and feeding off that fear, like you were saying earlier. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty good theory if these exist as to what, you know, what they actually are and what their motivation is. And who knows what they'd be able to do if you actually let them in and they had direct access to you or closer proximity. Well, stay tuned and we'll we'll find out in just a minute. Another thing that I found in a lot of the uh, books was they're being compared to the jinn. So the jinn are evil spirits from Islam, and they've been described as similar to the black-eyed kids. In the uh, stories that I read, Allah created man and angels and jinn. The jinn were created out of a smokeless flame, 
They were told to worship Allah, but some refused. They were given free will, just like humans. Some of them are benevolent and some are malevolent. They can teleport and they can appear in any form and have the ability to control the human mind. That may be hard to believe, but if you're Muslim, you kind of have to accept that the jinn are real. It's in the Quran, and if it's in the Quran and you're Muslim, you're supposed to, you know, take it as gospel. And there's a large Muslim population, so you have to take into account that, that they believe that. Yeah. I was starting to wonder if maybe the belief in them is what allows them to manifest, but it seems like most of the reports are people who've maybe never heard of them before. A lot of the stories that are posted online, at least, talk about, I've never heard of this until it happened to me and I looked it up. You know, I googled anything about a child showing up with black eyes and it comes up with this black-eyed kid phenomena. So you wouldn't think a thought form would appear before you thought of it. But it's possible that billions of people believing in something could cause some sort of manifestation. Bad news for you is that in some of the stories I, I read by paranormal researchers, they believe that talking about the black-eyed kids, and especially if you have a dream about the black-eyed kids, they will appear to you. Yeah, it's actually something that I've thought of. A lot of paranormal researchers talk about that when you look at the phenomena, it looks back. Whatever it is that you happen to be talking about. But yeah, in particular, this is one I don't need showing up. All right, I've got a couple, well, more than a couple other theories that we can just run through real quick. These are ones that, you know, just kind of popped into my head when I was thinking about it. Not saying I believe any of them, but I wanted to put the thought out there just for the sake of conversation. Uh, one was the Fountain of Youth. Sounds crazy, but maybe they discovered some sort of way to reverse aging, reverse time, and become young again but there's severe side effects. It wouldn't explain why they want to come into your house or uh, necessarily the feeling of dread or anything like that, but it could be something that would go towards explaining their appearance. Also, Big Pharma, test subjects that got out and are doomed to wander about trying to figure things out. Testing some sort of genetic vision upgrade or even technological visual upgrade, you know, like the things we're hearing about, maybe is having an effect on their eyes. Drug users, you know, their eyes are extremely dilated and appear to be fully black to witnesses. There's a lot of information out there that people in general don't make the best eyewitnesses. And maybe if you see somebody whose pupils are fully dilated, when you think about it again, it might just appear to you to be just completely black eyes clones of living children being tested out on the public, brainwashed kids, Manchurian candidates that are out practicing their telepathy on the unsuspecting. This one might be a little bit more believable. Maybe they're possessed and that's why their eyes are blacked out, uh, like in the descriptions. Probably out of all of those, I have one more that probably makes the most sense. And I think would really account for a lot of the experiences that people have had is that they're just pranksters. They have a weird taste of playing jokes. 
they have, you know, contact lenses back in 96, probably getting blacked out contact lenses would be really expensive, but I'm sure you can go on eBay now and find some that are, you know, 15, 20 bucks and you want to go play a prank on your neighbor or something. Yeah. One of my friends, we all had a game night and she brought her daughter who's a teenager and she looks over at me and her eyes are amber. And I just kind of went, Oh, that's, that's different. What are those? Where'd you get that? And she just showed me her phone and it was a website. You can order these contacts to make your eyes look reptilian or purple or however you want them to, or totally white. They're like 15 bucks. So pranksters makes the most sense. It doesn't explain, you know, necessarily the feelings of dread, but I think it's safe to say that out of all the accounts that we've read about and heard about that at least a decent percentage are probably pranksters. Yeah. And I think you touched on one that seems likely to me, which was possession or, or some kind of influence like that. Cause there are a lot of stories pretty much anywhere. If you watch any of like the paranormal stories, you know, type shows on the travel channel, they talk about stuff like this, where somebody will have this influence momentarily. Maybe they moved into a haunted house, you know, quote unquote haunted house. And one member of the family starts acting strangely or erratic and they might see physical changes come over them that are associated with some of these behavioral problems. And then when they leave that house or when they get rid of some affected item or something that seems to have an attachment to it, everything goes back to normal and everybody's fine. But it it tends to be, in those cases, it tends to be a very short temporary, you know, kind of momentary effect, almost where you're seeing behind the curtain on accident, where most of the time that's hidden. In these cases, if it is a child being influenced, it's it just seems very unlikely that they'd be able to get out unnoticed. I mean, I guess there are a lot of missing kids, too. This is kind of highlighting a lot of, you know, just sad facts about the world in general. But yeah, how would they be influenced in going out like this and like you said before if their goal is to get in somewhere and do something why would they be trying to frighten somebody but i think you know if it's if it's an actual child being influenced the goal is to scare people the other alternative to that is it's some kind of prank maybe this you know the original experiencer had a real experience and there are probably real ones like it but a majority might be, you know, an embellishment of something that really happened or some kind of prank. I want to talk about Asia's hungry ghosts. Have you ever heard of this phenomena? I've heard of it. I'm not very familiar with it. Asia's hungry ghost festival. They celebrate the hungry ghosts, obviously takes place under the full moon of the seventh month of the Chinese calendar. They believe the gates of hell are open and ghosts are free to roam the land of the living. They leave food on their front porch as an offering. The living are not allowed to touch the food. They have entertainment venues, concerts, movies, and stuff like that where they leave the first few rows of seats open for the undead. They say prayers. Uh, One thing that I thought was interesting is they burn pictures of cars and houses and They do that, I guess, to appease what they call the hungry ghosts that no longer have access to those items. They also burn fake money they call hell money. 
and that's supposed to be for the dead to use in the afterlife. So I, I'm assuming from what I read that they believe if you burn it, it goes into the same realm where these hungry ghosts survive. They're said to roam the realm just above hell, and they can't go to uh, what they would compare to heaven until they release all the ties to the physical world. They also believe some of the ghosts get stuck in that world, and that's what they call the hungry ghost. And it could be because some of the surviving family doesn't have enough respect for them. Uh, it's the lifestyle they led while they were alive. Lying, cheating, adultery, murder. All that can lead to someone becoming a hungry ghost for eternity. In the Taoist religion, hungry ghosts are unable to find the food they need in the afterlife. They rejoin the land of the living and scare the living to feed off the energy spike created from the fear. And they also believe that the way a building is constructed can influence if it will attract or repel hungry ghosts. And there's experts that are consulted in home construction to kind of advise on which way the house is supposed to face and the way the rooms are supposed to be organized and stuff like that. So, you know, it's very, very accepted into the mainstream if you're going to be basing your house construction on that belief. That's very interesting. I, I like that that's accepted that way. That's kind of cool. I think that there's a lot of rejection of things that we used to think were normal or, you know, just something everybody's aware of, you know, energy, the energy in a space, something like that. I mean, if you were trying to build a house today and said, well, I need to call this spiritual person in to see how the energy is here or how this design is going to impact that, people would laugh at you. But I mean, when I've been apartment or house shopping before the realtor will say like, Oh, this, this space has great energy. It's part of our, our everyday speech, but it's something we don't take seriously. And some cultures do, and that's cool, but it's also logical. Even if you're completely skeptical, if you believe that the way you arrange your space or construct your home can have an impact on your energy or your spirit. You have everything to gain if you behave as though it does and nothing to lose if it doesn't. Does this make sense? I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. It's not going to hurt you. And I think we've all been in houses before where just something as simple as seeing how family photos are arranged on the wall, look at it and you might think, oh, that's kind of tacky. I don't like the way that looks. For some reason, it just strikes you as being tacky or disorganized or something even as simple as hanging a painting and it's not 100% level. That just kind of eats at you a little bit. Like, no, I've got to make it 100% level. I can't let it be a little off. And I think that goes, you know, along with the way you place your couch. And, you know, if you have your favorite chair in the window where the light can hit you when you read and, you know, where you have your TV and you bring a, you know, a nice big plant into a room and it kind of changes the energy in the room. But I think in America anyway, everybody is relying on what I've heard referred to as scientism. And it's kind of taken over as a quasi-religion. And if you can't 
produce it in a laboratory, it's not real. And there are some things that don't get studied. You hear about a mother's intuition all the time. You hear how accurate it is. And people kind of say it with a grain of salt, but I mean, I believe it's real. And you can't produce that in a laboratory. But I think that a lot of people, well, a lot of mothers would definitely say it's real. And they may not believe in black eyed kids, but technically what they're believing in is kind of a, a sixth sense. But that's all, all interesting stuff. So we've covered what we think they might be, but what do they want? They always want to come inside your house, your car, your business. They always want in and they can't just walk in. You have to invite them and they need a ride or they need to warm up or they need to use the phone, which we talked about is always the landline. They need to use the restroom. They always kind of have this victim story where someone has left them stranded or they're cold and they just want to warm up or they need to use the phone to call their parents like the story you told earlier or to use the restroom. It's always something that is looking for sympathy. Yeah. And I think that if we're thinking of them as something that feeds off energy, the invasion of a personal space probably ups that factor. You know, they probably get more fear if they are doing whatever they're doing in your own home or if they are in your car. You know, I know a lot of people who feel more at home in their car than they do in their house. And maybe just the energy in that space is different or beneficial to them in some way. And I'm glad you brought up personal space because that's kind of another sixth sense type thing. You know, even if you know somebody, a neighbor or a friend, you don't want them standing six inches away from your face when they talk to you. They're, they're not going to hurt you. They're not going to do anything bad. It's just uncomfortable because you need that. You have that energy around you that you don't want invaded. So they, they say things like, please, we're just kids. They always say that you have to invite us. And, and every story that I came across, they always ask to be invited. They say things like, we won't hurt you. This won't take long, which is a very ominous statement. <laughs> One of the stories I read, they said, we're just kids. We don't have a gun. Now, why would you say that? Yeah, I've heard things like that, too, trying to persuade you and make sure that you understand that they're not a threat, I guess. And yeah, and the way they speak is strange. There's a, an account from March 17, 2008 that I found on thoughtcatalog.com where it's a 12-year-old sitting outside of a barber shop in a truck waiting for their parent to get their hair cut. And they're saying that they were sitting in the car and they were watching this kid kind of pacing around and then they come up to the car. You know, walks up to the side of the car, starts staring. They couldn't quite make out the features and then when they got closer, they saw the eyes and that the boy whispered, you must let me in. And they, the person experiencing this said that they just locked the doors and tried to duck down below the seats and just waited for, waited for it to stop, essentially. You know, it didn't even matter that the kid knew they were in the vehicle. They just wanted to be where they couldn't see them anymore. It's not necessarily logical, but uh, 
they they continued to say that when their mother came back to the car, she said that a kid came in and asked for the keys. Yeah. And that's that's one that I hadn't heard before. So this one's a little bit unique in that way that this kid actually came in and said, like, hey, I need the keys to your car. And the mom was like, no, what are you talking about? And just, I don't know. But there was nothing about the parents' reaction to it either. You know, in terms of, well, hey, I was getting my hair done and this kid came in with these black eyes. So, and see that, that to me goes back to that whole influence thing that sometimes you're catching a glimpse of it because there's another story that I found, I think maybe from the same site where, yeah, it was an encounter on a bus and it was this thing where these two people caught each other's gaze and one of them had the totally black eyes and the person from whose perspective we are hearing the story quickly turned away, didn't want to look, just looked forward, you know, tried to make sure that they were still where they were before. But when they finally looked back later after some more people got on the bus, they could see that person talking to somebody else and their their eyes looked normal. So it might be this this effect that comes and goes. That's interesting. When did they get here? The oldest account I found was in 1950s Virginia, and the story that I read was called Harold Meets the Devil. More common in the 80s, and like we talked about, most people credit journalist Brian Bethel with the first well-documented case of black-eyed kids. And the accounts seem to be piling up, but you know, with the internet, the story's out there. People are probably pranking people, and when you have that idea in your head already and a normal kid comes up maybe it's 7 30 at night and they ask to use your phone to call their parents well then maybe when you start to remember it it was 10 o'clock at night and the kid had a hood on and you couldn't see his eyes maybe maybe it was a black-eyed kid and you're kind of more susceptible to suggestion after hearing the stories. And I think there's a lot to be said that people want to be part of a group too. And and it's kind of neat if you have something paranormal happen to you. And I think there's a lot about your own intention that kind of informs how things go for you in terms of whatever it is you're trying to do. I've experienced that in my own life. Like I have a tendency towards pessimism just so that you're never too disappointed when things don't go your way. But then there are times where I purposely try to make myself think about things going right, and they do. So there there does appear to be, on the surface at least, some influence in the way you think something's going to happen. And then I, I think it, it comes around to if you go into a place expecting to have an experience or if you see somebody and you expect that this is going to be an unpleasant encounter, I think it kind of happens that way, whether that's for some psychological reason or... You know, if if we really are influencing our environment in a more concrete way. An example of what I'm talking about, I think, would probably be the Lent Mansion. I have stayed there before. I've, I've eaten there in the restaurant a couple times, and I've kind of explored it. I've never done a, a ghost hunting thing or anything like that there. But I have stayed there overnight, and I've never experienced anything. I've never seen anything unusual. Even though a lot of people who go there talk about it, 
you know, I, I've heard lots and lots of people say, you know, well, we heard these noises all night or stuff moved or doors opened or, or whatever it might be. And there have been a lot of ghost hunting shows that have gone there too. But the difference I think might be that my intention was positive. I went in kind of in awe of the building and the history in a respectful way, not coming in. I want something to happen. I want to see something, you know, in a in a way that would be provoking and maybe bring out something negative that was there. Or maybe it's that whatever was there had no negativity to feed off of. But there could be something like that playing in here too. Yeah, I think setting intentions is very powerful. A quick story. I was with a ghost hunting group in 2011, I want to say, that did an investigation at the Lemp Mansion, and we probably had 15 people, and each person had, you know, a, a night vision camera, recording equipment. Uh, we were there all night, all different rooms, just everywhere, and nobody got anything. Not a single, not even something that you had to investigate further to rule out. There was just absolutely nothing. And Honestly, we went in hoping, obviously, to find evidence of something. We had heard all the stories and all the history and stuff. And, you know, everybody was excited, like, oh, this is a great chance to get some good evidence. And there there was just absolutely nothing there. So it was very disappointing. Back to the Black Eyed Kids. What do they say? Let us in. This won't take long. We'll just stay for a bit. We're only kids, don't worry. We need to come in. We need a ride. I want to ride in your truck. Walk me to your house was one that we'll talk about. You don't have to think about it. This won't hurt. What won't hurt? We don't have a gun. That to me, this won't hurt is probably the scariest one just because they're stating an intention that they're actually going to do something. And I mean, that's just not something that I've ever heard anyone besides a doctor or a dentist tell me. And those are mostly lies. You know, no one has ever said to me, this won't hurt unless they're planning on doing something that is probably going to hurt. So that that's a very ominous statement to me. And I would definitely slam the door at that point. And it's just such a strange thing to experience anyway, just to have a kid come up and talk like that, to to say, you must let me in or to, or to say, you know, this won't hurt. I don't have a gun, stuff like that. You know, if it was any of anybody in my family under the age of 16, they'd want to talk to you about TikTok and Fortnite. They wouldn't be saying like, you must let me in or don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. I just need to use your telephone or however they phrase it i would think a lot of kids even now would probably not even think of coming in they would just say could you hand me your phone not i need to come in and use it so that's another thing too kind of an out of time thing along with the clothes and some of the the mannerisms and i would think in today's society too I would want someone to help my daughters if they needed help, but I would not want them to go to a stranger's door and ask to go inside. Yeah, it's kind of the one thing we teach all kids. Don't do that. Don't go in somebody else's house. Don't get in a car with a stranger. And 
looking on YouTube, I, I found a few videos that claim to have real black eyed kids, but they're obviously terrible fakes. And nowadays it seems like everybody has a ring doorbell or security cameras and stuff like that. And there haven't been any reliable photos or video that I've seen that I believe that could actually be a black eyed kid. It's not to say that maybe, maybe a couple of the videos were real, but they sure didn't look real to me. And extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And you can't walk anywhere without being on camera now and just nothing's showing up. Yeah, I was actually thinking that same thing earlier, specifically about doorbells, because doorbell videos are like a genre on YouTube. Just, you know, the weird stuff you see happen. Yeah, you would think that these would show up on there. I mean, I get that an entity like this with that kind of influence would probably know to steer clear of them. But does that mean the phenomena will just end or does it change? You know, was it something else and it's just going to appear in a different way or it's going to try to to achieve whatever its goal is in some other way now that doesn't require coming up to your front door. Because I have cameras in front and back. And I have to admit that when I put them up, I I, I got into ghost hunting and paranormal podcasts and all that kind of thing. When I was first starting to house shop, one of the houses I looked at was about 160 years old. And it was three stories and it was halfway renovated. And I had come over to visit my folks and kind of tell them about it. And I, I was like, you know, look, check this out. And my dad goes, oh, halfway through, that's where they must have hit ghosts and just kind of dismissed it from there. And I started thinking about it, not not in that there are ghosts and I should be aware of them, but I should be aware if I'm going to live in a place as big as this was and as old as this was, what kind of stories are out there and how I could debunk them myself. And it got me into all these things. And a lot of it is really plausible. You know, this is this particular topic that we're talking about now is not one that I really put a lot of faith in. But there are some that are really unnerving because they seem real. You know, there is evidence, even if it's difficult to confirm because of chain of custody or digital tampering or whatever it, it, it is that you're looking at. You know, some of it does seem really real. and putting up those cameras, I did have a thought of what if I catch something I don't want to see? You know, I have halls in my current house that are dark and this place is just wired kind of weird. So some of the switches are in strange places. So I have a lot of home automation stuff. So in certain areas, I put up little motion sensors. So when I walk in the room or walk in the hall, the lights turn on. And when I leave, they go off. And I had this thought of what if I see them come on and there's nobody there? How am I going to feel about that? And it happened not long ago. And my fiance saw it. She was like, that light just came on in the hall. Like she, we were in bed and she, she saw one of the lights come on. I was like, nah, it's probably nothing. She was like, no, there's something there. I was like, there's nothing there. And she was trying to tell me there was. And I was like, no, we had the windows open earlier. There probably a fly came in and landed on it or whatever. You know, there's a million different reasons, but with all this tech phones and dash cams and, ring doorbells and wise cams and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I would think there would be some evidence because they don't seem to be bothered by being seen by people, you know, and actually since some of these accounts are coming from like a parking lot of a hairdresser, you would think there'd be some kind of security camera footage of them there, but I guess you know, 
can't necessarily see the color of their eyes that way. That's true. That's a good point. And, you know, security cameras are getting better and better now, too. You know, when you see on the news, it seems like if a place like a gas station or whatever has a video camera, it looks like it was from the 60s and it only records, you know, once every two seconds and if if they're even working. But now with our ring doorbell, I can open it up anytime and see in 1080 definition exactly what's going on on my front porch and in my front yard really i mean it goes off if there's you know someone walking through my front yard even i can just look on my phone and see it and save the video it's very simple in the stories that i came across no one ever mentioned that they had a security camera or a, a ring doorbell or you know anything like that so i guess proponents could say that they target people that they know don't have surveillance but that's getting fewer and far between with the quality and the low price of you know surveillance that's out there now let's hope for something maybe somebody'll hear this and say no i've got a great clip that i'm going to send you guys you're going to see that the black eyed kids are real yeah, they, they can send it to you. I don't need it. <laughs> even even if we did get good video and audio footage, because of what these kids do, there's no real paranormal activity that you would see in video or audio, aside from time-lapse type movement or teleport type movement. A kid coming up and saying, can I use your phone? The house owner could say, I was really scared. Well, you can't see that on the video or in the audio. So proof is going to be difficult unless it happens to you. Some of the after effects that people have reported in the stories that I was able to uncover, bad luck. Well, maybe it's because of the black eyed kids or maybe you just had a string of bad luck, or maybe you don't even believe in luck. A lot of people don't even believe in it. Sickness, people feeling sick to their stomach, getting headaches like we talked about. We'll cover a a story where they believe that they got seriously sick in a, a health condition after a visit. Depression, anxiety, insomnia, nightmares, A lot of these are continued after effects. So it's not just, you know, you get a visit from a black eyed kid at, you know, 10 at night and you can't sleep that night. It's, I had trouble falling asleep for weeks or I had anxiety for, you know, six, seven, eight, 10 days after that, I couldn't get my anxiety down. And PTSD, because some of these people relive that trauma over and over. They never ring the doorbell. I was not able to find one story where they said they rang the doorbell. And I was able to find a couple stories where, one in particular, where the lady that had the experience was mad and she opened the door and said, ring the effing doorbell, don't knock. And then she saw their eyes and got freaked out. And then one where there was a terrible car accident. We'll get into some of those. First, the most famous account is Brian Bethel's account. And I just kind of wrote a paragraph here about what happened because it's not long, just a a quick experience that he had. 
1996, journalist Brian Bethel was in a movie theater parking lot in Abilene, Texas. He'd just begun to write a check when two young boys approached his car. He didn't even notice them until one knocked on his window. Bethel rolled down his window and began to feel what he described as, quote, soul-racking fear. The older boys said they wanted to see a movie but forgot their money. They asked him for a ride to go get their money and said it won't take long. We're just kids. We don't have a gun. Now he noticed that the last showing of the movie was already half over and he told the boys it would be over by the time they got back. And he said when he broke eye contact, that's when he realized that their eyes were completely black with no white or any color. The older boy said they needed to be invited in and at that point Bethel just rolled up the window and sped off. So that was his encounter. Pretty quick, but pretty scary. I think it's to the credit of the story, but also to its detriment that so many of them that are being reported now are so similar. You know, consistency and repeatability are pretty important in trying to prove something. But it could also be, you know, like we're saying, pranksters parroting what happened to him. Do you want to hear one about someone who let him into their home? It's a juicy one. <laughs> well, when you put it like that, yeah. How can we how can we resist? <laughs> In January 2016, a report appeared on the internet said to have come from an unnamed woman who had not only encountered black-eyed children but made the mistake of allowing them into her home. So I was unable to confirm the source, which kind of goes along with what you said about a friend of a friend or you know people kind of unwilling to claim responsibility for the uh, report I guess. According to this it was a decision that she believed would have lasting implications. The woman said to have lived in Vermont and she told how in the middle of a blizzard one evening a loud knocking sounded at the door and she shared the house with her husband. She just thought, oh, someone must have been in an accident from the weather. She was going to answer the door. She looked out the window and saw footprints in the snow leading to her house, but there was no sign of a vehicle on the road. I mean, it could have been a wreck, you know, a half mile down the road. She was a little unnerved, and she woke her husband, and the banging on the door continued, and he went to answer it. Two black-eyed kids stood on the doorstep, a boy and a girl, they were described to be about eight years old, both of them. The woman recalled that they were not dressed for the cold conditions outside, so that goes along with their weird clothing, like they didn't have coats. She says despite her better judgment, she invited the two children in. She got them into the living room, and she noticed that her cats appeared to be afraid of them, and one of the cats hissed at them as they passed. She offered them a cup of cocoa to warm them up, she said that whatever she asked them, their reply was always the same. Our parents will be here soon. She came into the room with two cups of cocoa. As they looked up at her to take the drinks, she noticed with horror that where their eyes should have been were two jet black balls like giant pupils. As she stared at them, they both suddenly asked if they could use the bathroom. She tried to remain calm and directed them to it. A moment later, her husband's nose began to bleed, and then the power went out. She went to get her husband a tissue, and she noticed both children standing at the end of the hall, motionless, staring at her. They suddenly broke the silence and said, Our parents are here. Before opening the door and making their way back out into the night, 
She says that when she went to close the door, she saw the children getting into a black car with two tall men, both dressed in suits. So that kind of sounds like the men in black to me. She said that they, they all entered the vehicle and drove away, but in the months following, the woman's husband was diagnosed with an aggressive form of skin cancer, and although she didn't go into specifics, she stated that she also suddenly began to suffer from regular nosebleeds and described herself as being in the worst condition of her life. She's convinced that both her and her husband's ill health is connected to the snowy night when they allowed the two black-eyed children into their home. Maybe that is what happens when you let them in. Certainly scary one way or the other. It makes me wonder, though, if the health effects are something they're intending to do or if it's some accident, just something that happens from being around them. Who knows? Yeah, if they're not some form of alien or interdimensional being, they could put something off that we're susceptible to. Alright, so we talked about Harold Meets the Devil. That's a fun one. That's the first story I was able to find. This is from uh, 1950, Virginia. Harold is a 16-year-old boy. So according to the story, the teenager was walking home one afternoon when he came across another boy leaning against a fence as if waiting for someone. Harold attempted to speak to him but received no response. He was about to walk off and go on his journey when the strange boy suddenly stated to Harold, I want to go to your house. You're going to walk me up to your house. It was then that Harold noticed the blackness of the boy's eyes. There was no white, just solid black. Then something even stranger and more chilling happened. Harold had begun to contemplate turning and running home as fast as he could when the boy blurted out, No, don't you run away from me. You're going to walk me up to your house. Harold turned and ran away, faster than his legs had ever carried him before. He later recalled to his parents that as he did so, he heard a scream behind him, a scream that sounded similar to a bobcat. His parents believed their son's account, so much so that his father was said to have grabbed his gun and immediately gone out looking for the menacing boy who had demanded his son take him to their family home. His mother apparently thought her son had an encounter with the devil himself and stated, that she would take him to see the local priest. Yeah, that story is similar to another one that I read about a guy walking a girl home. He happened to see her. She looked like she was disturbed somehow. But he went up to her to talk to her, ask her what was going on. And she just said that she was you know, kind of freaked out by these kids that were standing over under the streetlight. So he said that he wanted to walk her home, you know, kind of gave them some side eye. You know, kind of like, why are you intimidating this girl? Or, you know, and I'm also keeping an eye on you. So he just was walking here. He wasn't thinking about much else other than walking a pretty girl home. And he said he started to notice behind him that, you know, he'd, he'd peek back every so often and they'd be there. I don't know if it's exactly in kind of the stop motion style that you had mentioned, but he would look back and he just said they were there. Like every time he'd look back, they, they weren't, didn't appear to be walking, but they were, they were there still. You know, it just turned into this thing of of being kind of a, an encroaching sense of something's not right and evolving into, we have to get out of here now. There was no scream or anything like that, but it was this feeling of, like, something is wrong, we have to get out of here. Not just, like, somebody is following me, but something is seriously dangerous about this situation. Yeah, the impending doom feeling. 
This Black Eyed Kid story comes from ThoughtCatalog.com and was submitted by user NoSleep2012. In this story, the experiencer describes her dog acting strangely in the bedroom in the middle of the night. She thought the best thing to do would be to open the door and show the dog there was nothing to be afraid of. Instead of the dog's fears being put at ease, the dog immediately ran to the front door. The experiencer follows and finds that there are two children at the front door, one appearing to be in her mid-teens, holding the hand of a smaller child appearing to be about four. Both girls have blonde hair and bangs that cover most of their eyes. Both are standing on the front porch, not looking up. Without giving any indication that she was there, the experiencer says, The older girl suddenly said, We need to come use your phone. The dog at this point had stopped barking. The experiencer herself had made no noise, and no lights had been turned on anywhere to indicate that she was there at the door. Even so, the older girl, who was dressed in a similar way to the experiencer's own daughter, and the smaller girl was holding a toy similar to one that belonged to the experiencer's daughter, the older girl looked up into the window of the door in between them and said directly to the experiencer that she needed to come use the phone, that her mother was worried. The experiencer at this point felt an overwhelming feeling of dread and began to back away from the door as noiselessly as possible. She got a step or two away, heard the girl speak again, and a little further back, and the tone changed and became commanding. The older girl told her that if they wanted to hurt her, they would have broken in, but they didn't want to hurt her. They just wanted to ask if they could use her phone. She said that she continued to ignore the girls, returned to her room, but was unable to sleep that night. Since then, her husband tells her it was probably just a dream, but she expresses a fear that she may be the one exception to the trend of black-eyed kids not hurting anyone. A man named John tells a story of an encounter he had while driving the late-night back roads of Texas. He says on a long stretch of highway late one night or early one morning, he stopped to relieve himself on the side of the road and gaze at the stars for a few minutes. After he finished up, he made his way back around to the driver's side of his truck and was startled to see a young boy standing right in his headlights. He tells the boy he'd scared the hell out of him, and the boy immediately responded with, I want to get in your truck. John says he felt a chill and looked around for other vehicles or houses nearby but found none. The boy then repeated his statement, I want to get in your truck now. John was puzzled and asked the kid if he lived around here and the boy responded with, just let me get in your truck and we'll go for a ride. It won't take long. John was starting to feel uneasy and said, I don't think so, kid. John jumped in his truck and started it up only to find the boy staring in the driver's side window at him. John sped off, feeling the fight or flight response kick in and stopped after several miles to collect his thoughts. He realized he'd been gripping the steering wheel so hard his hands were white. He decided to turn around, find the boy, and get some answers. Was the boy lost, hurt, or scared? He drove to the exact spot where he saw the kid and shined his high beams around and saw nothing. He also used a high-powered flashlight but found no trace. 
He then had a flashback of the boy staring in his window again, and that was enough to make him speed off into the night. Instead of stopping for breakfast, he drove straight through to the destination at a relative's house. He walked in, plopped down on the couch, and turned the TV on to try to get his mind off the strange encounter. Later, on his way home, John once again stopped at the same spot to try to see if there were any houses nearby that the boy could have come from, and noted the houses in the area were few and far between. John didn't get a great look at the boy's eyes, but noted the pale skin. The other elements in his story were consistent with BEK accounts too. The boy appeared out of nowhere and made demands in a droning voice. He didn't answer any questions, but was persistent. The boy filled John with dread, and he says he still has flashbacks to this day, seeming to confirm at least a slight case of PTSD. This next story comes from the same website and is submitted by a user called No Sleep Trash. This is a man who claims that he was in the room with his infant daughter trying to help her sleep and allow his wife to sleep who worked in the hospital early in the morning. He had been awake watching videos on his phone and checking Facebook when he heard thumps on the front porch. Immediately he blamed these on his cat and tried to ignore them and go to sleep. He heard the thumps again and came to realize that out the window by his front stairs he could see the tops of two heads two small boys around the age of 10 or 11. For some reason, he felt like he should ignore these figures and went back to the room he had been in before, when he started hearing thumping from multiple parts of the house under multiple windows in exact rhythm together. He assumed these might be people from a development across the street and ran outside quickly, expecting to find somebody there messing with his house. Instead, he was confronted by these two young boys and immediately was overcome with a feeling of dread and a sickening smell of mold. He also noticed a sudden absence of all ambient sounds like crickets and other noises you would expect at night. One of the boys asked if he could come inside and use his telegraph. The experiencer in this story was put off by the use of the word telegraph, but decided to ignore it and simply tell the boys that he didn't have that service there. Upon telling them this, they went from a calm demeanor to one of rage, he quickly went inside and unlocked the door and went back to the room where his infant daughter slept. He checked on her to make sure she was okay and the thumping started again. He spent the rest of his night until his wife woke up for work, huddled in the room holding his daughter, too afraid to do anything else. The thumping continued until 4am when his wife's alarm went off and according to the experiencer, stopped at exactly that moment. A trend that the experiencer noticed is that all of the Black Eyed Kid stories he has heard came from people who already knew of them, and that his suspicion as to why he experienced it and not his wife is because he already knew and she didn't. He ends his story by expressing that he is sorry for bringing them up and exposing more people to this potential danger. A man named Hector was working at his family's Mexican restaurant in San Antonio and had a strange encounter with a Black Eyed Kid. An employee noticed a boy in the back of the restaurant going through the trash and told Hector. Hector went out to talk to the boy and he was nowhere to be seen. Hector went back and assuming the boy had left, but the second he closed the door, he heard a loud knock. When Hector opened the door, there was a young boy standing there with his face pushed out from his hoodie 
with black shark eyes. The boy spoke to Hector in perfect Spanish, saying, I knew you'd be the one to open the door. Now you're in for it. The boy started laughing. Hector slammed the door in his face, and the laughter stopped immediately. Hector called the police and said there was a homeless person behind the restaurant that wouldn't leave, but the boy was gone when the police arrived. Hector was convinced that the boy had cast bad luck upon him based on the following series of events. Hector's brand new tire split apart on the way home, even though he hadn't run over anything, and the mechanic who fixed it said he's never seen anything like it. Later that night, Hector's oven at home caught on fire, and luckily Hector was able to put the fire out before it damaged any other parts of his home. The strange thing is, the oven had been turned off for an hour before the fire started. That night, Hector decided to go to a midnight mass and said a lot of prayers to counteract the bad luck he believed the child had cursed him with. Hector described the boy as light-skinned with blonde hair, very pale, all black eyes, and fluent in Spanish. Hector continued with his Catholic faith, but decided to learn another traditional healing method as well and said the two don't conflict in his heart. He believes the boy was sent to give him a spiritual awakening, and he still thinks about the boy often. This story comes from the Black Eyed Kids story subreddit from a user named Malice Darkblade, and will be read in their own words. I want to share my story here now that I know this group exists. This happened almost eight years ago. I live in the north part of Mexico. I went to pet my dog, a Siberian husky, in my front yard at 2 to 3 a.m. I was also checking my cell phone in a bench next to him when suddenly I see a kid with a cane outside the fence walking up to us, like a four-foot distance from me and my dog. My dog starts barking. The kid screams, kind of scared when he sees my dog, and immediately asks me if it was a wolf, which I answer without looking at him directly, saying, no, it's a husky. I felt so confused, like, what is this kid doing outside at 3 a.m., and why does he have a cane? I assumed he was blind or something because he seemed to have black sunglasses. This was really odd so I started to feel danger all over me and for some reason I never looked at him directly. I started ignoring him, keeping my eyes on my cell phone. He then does the weirdest scream ever, it sounded like some kind of a functioning computer or machine as he screamed. I saw on the street a bright light. It was a truck speeding up like crazy. It looked like some very old Chevy pickups. The truck passes by and the screaming stops. The child just disappears in thin air before me. I reacted and quickly opened the fence to check outside and could not see any trace of the kid or that truck. It's worth mentioning that he was wearing old clothes, like from another period of time. The brief conversation was in Spanish and I never saw him directly in the eyes or face. Looking from the corner of my eye, I was sure he was wearing some kind of black sunglasses. After investigating the net, I came to the conclusion that they were most likely his eyes. Never heard of B.E.K. children before this happened to me. I had just gotten home after a long drive and after nearly a whole day of tense fighting with my now ex-girlfriend. She couldn't handle my depression and I was tired of bringing her down. They say the sound of rain can calm a bad mood, but it only threw me further into myself, and I became more and more agitated. The kind of agitation that you get when you're depressed. Those who are would know. I was about to call it a night, when all of a sudden, 
I heard frantic knocking at my door. My heart skipped a beat as I heard a child screaming at the top of their lungs. Please help me! Please help me! I opened the door, but no one was there. Looking into the dark, I saw nothing but rain. I thought I was hallucinating. I closed the door and five minutes went by. Then I heard another knock at the door with the same child crying for help. But again, upon opening the door, no one was there. The third time I heard the same knock, but this time someone was there. It was a little girl. I turned on my front porch light, but it was really dim. I managed to see that she was wearing a large white t-shirt. No pants, no shoes. Her head was down. Can you help me please? She muttered in a shaky, quiet voice. For some odd reason, all that was in me wanted to hug her. I had never really been good with children, nor had I liked them. It sounded like she'd been crying for a while based on the sniffles I heard and her small voice. My first thought was, where are your parents? No sooner than I could think that question, she answered it. I don't know where they are. As you'd imagine, I was quite startled and taken aback by her telepathy. I never thought it actually existed. She began to cry again. While in tears, she asked again if I could help her. As I reached out my hand to comfort her, her small hands also reached out and gripped my wrist. Surely this was a dream, I thought. The tighter her hold became, the more I realized something wasn't right. My heart began to race as I swallowed a large lump in my throat. She inched closer, her head looking a little upward this time. Please let me in, she cried. I managed to use my other hand to loosen her grip. While holding her hand, the light in the hallway of my house turned on. I must have brushed up against the switch accidentally. The light shone on her. Nothing was out of the ordinary. Her hair was black and very long. She seemed to have a normal shape to her face. Her lips were a little pale. I imagined she was cold, but then I took note of her eyes. Unlike us, there was no white in her eyes, just black. I fell backwards in a panic. She stared at me and slowly entered my house. Her presence was menacing. Before she could get to my feet, she looked above me, let out a scream, and disappeared. To this day, I don't know what she saw or who she was. I thank God I didn't die that day. To whomever is reading this, please, whatever you do, do not open the door for anyone you do not know, especially at night. I had a black-eyed kid's experience seven years ago. I was hiking in a forest. I sat down to eat something. A girl wearing a skirt and a yellow shirt watched me from afar. She was around nine or ten. She came near and I offered her some of my lunch and she accepted. While eating, she looked up at me and I almost pissed my pants. Her eyes were completely black. She smiled at me, laid her finger on my mouth, and then ran away. I was shocked but followed her. She disappeared without a trace. Two years ago, I was at the same place and saw her again. She was not a day older than the first meeting. I started to ask questions, but she did not speak a single word. 
I took a photo of her with my smartphone. She took my hand and pushed me to come with her to a small lake. And Jesus, there were other black-eyed kids swimming around. I don't remember anything after this. I woke up at the lake after midnight and checked my smartphone. The photo I took of her, it was deleted. I might get criticized for saying this, but I have to tell someone. When I was nine, I was in my room. I felt something brush and pull my hair. I thought it was my mom and told her to go away. When I looked, I saw a shadow rapidly move across the room. At the door was a girl in a dusty Victorian-looking nightgown with a greenish tinge to her skin, pitch blackish but purple eyes, and something was wrong with her mouth. She laughed and ran down the stairs. I screamed and started to cry for my mom. She came up the same stairs and told me she didn't see anything. Thanks for listening to this very special swapcast of the first episode of Cryptique. You can find Cryptique everywhere you find Exploring Evil, and as promised, a song for true crime fans. Do you want to know a secret? There are many times when all I can think about is murdering someone. I'm in a wall, in a wall. Do you want to know a secret?